<laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, God willing, that's the last time we hear that. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> that was uh, Grandson, is the name of the artist. The song Oh No, which is the theme song to 2021's The Suicide Squad. Oh, shit. Never mind. We have to do this intro all over again. What I did thought, you think that was? I thought it was the I thought it was the end song to uh, 2016's. No, it was not. Okay. That was uh, that was Heathens. We did that last time. We did. I Heathens <laughs> got, was like slow and stupid. <laughs> I'm just gonna go home now and let you do this by yourself. I think I've I think I've uh, let go of all my credibility for the evening. But so anyway. anyway. <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode of Vertigo Voices. Hello there. I'm Sophia. And I'm Colby. And today we're talking about 2021 Suicide Squad. Woohoo! The good one! <laughs> yes, yes, finally. Uh, before that, though, I got a little bit of news. First thing is not news. It's just something I wanted to talk about because I got sucked into a stupid fucking conversation on Twitter about who would win in a fight. You know, the shit that I always hate. <laughs> I think I told you about this. So the question was, who would win in a fight between... Just so fucking stupid. Uh, between Lucifer and Destiny of the Endless. Mm, mm, mm. And, I mean, again, like, I just, I hate these anyway, but this is a question that literally, like, within the text has an answer. Yeah. Um, because, as we talked about when we uh, reviewed uh, Books of Magic, at the end of time, like, literally the end of everything, there is death and destiny. That's it. So it doesn't fucking matter. Like, Destiny, Destiny's the answer, because that's the way it is. <laughs> like, that's literally within the text. Of all the multiverses, of all of the possibilities, I'm sure at some point, uh, Lucifer and uh, Destiny had a punch-up. And Destiny won. <laughs> it's, it's that easy. And so I was like, I feel like this is answered in the text. Hence my response there. And uh, some fucking lady just would not accept that. And was like, well, at one point, death comes for Lucifer in his series, and he says that she has no sway over him, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, I, in my mind, I'm like, I know what you're talking about, and you're misreading that. And, no, and she says, and death agrees. And I was like, in my mind, again, I'm like, well, I, I know what you're talking about, but you're misreading that. Like, literally, death agrees that it's not his time right now. And that she'll be back. Right. <laughs> so he, he, this excuse was, or this uh, entire argument came down to like, well, that because death can't take Lucifer. Like, yes, he fucking can't. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> and this lady just kept, and I, and I was like, yeah, but I mean, again, at the end, death and destiny, the end. Well, that's not the end of everything because time still exists. And in Sandman Overtures, and I'm like, and she started going off on like time and space and these like, uh, tangential characters and I'll, that's not the fucking question like, <laughs> and so i finally responded like this has gotten way outside of the original question so i bid you good day <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah it was just shockingly annoying so anyway destiny wins go fuck yourself um <laughs> Comic book nerds, this is the reason why that stereotype is perpetuated that no one wants to touch our naughty bits. Yeah. There's arguments like that. Exactly. Mm. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, we got uh, Sandman Audible Season 2 has officially been announced and cast. 
it's probably already fucking done because it comes out in like a month and a half. <laughs> All right, then. Um, everyone that was originally in it is returning. I was originally kind of like uh, skittish that maybe Michael Sheen wouldn't be back as Lucifer. Well, he is. B.B. Newirth is back as Bast, because originally she was just one of the cats, but now that's, you know, she's Bast. Uh, Joanna Lumley's back as Constantine, Lady Constantine, excuse me. Um, some of the big additions are Kristen Schaal as Delirium, fucking love her, Flight of the Concords. Um, Bill Nye is Odin, that's cool, which means that uh, David Tennant is playing uh, Loki. Nice. Uh, that was cool. Uh, John Lithgow as Emperor Norton. And Brian Cox as fucking Caesar Augustus. That's amazing. <laughs> Good um, cast. There were some others that aren't on this picture. Uh, like uh, the guy that played Cornzon. Um, what the fuck is his name? Patterson Joseph. He's back. Oh, oh yeah. And uh, fucking Kevin Smith as Merv Pumpkinhead. Nice. That is a good addition. Yeah. It's all good additions. Who does Miriam... I'm always mispronouncing. Margolis? Uh, Despair. Uh-huh. I don't know who that is. Um, she's a BBC actress. Yeah. Theater, yeah. Probably seen her in something, just that's not a great... It's just like the picture is like her kind of looking off to the side. <laughs> oh yeah, and Jeffrey Wright as Destiny. Oh, perfect. So Jeffrey Wright can officially kick the ass of uh, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen's, Michael Sheen's Lucifer. It's written into the text. But could he beat Tom Ellis? Oh, God. Or uh, Gwendolyn Christie? Uh, I don't know. Those are better questions. (laughs) (laughs) Those are better questions, yeah. Let's see them in a fight instead. Uh, Okay, got that. Stupid fucking... I literally put stupid fucking Destiny versus Lucifer debate in my notes. (laughs) Uh, Doom Patrol Season 3 has a new trailer and a release date. September 13th, maybe? Trailer looks cool. Brotherhood of Dada are in there. or Maybe they're the Sisterhood now. I can't remember. That looks cool. Um, premiere date and trailer for Why the Last Man. Uh, the trailer looks a lot like the comic. My only complaint, and I told you about this, is that Y is really good looking. <laughs> it, is. it kind of shatters the whole everyman persona that he has in the comic. He looks like he should be in a Gucci campaign with Lana Del Rey. He looks like he should be the star of a... Uh, premium cable comic book adaptation. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Which is to say why The Last Man. <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's just a weird, like, it's he's really good looking. And it was really supposed to be, what, uh, Barry Keown, and I think he would have been better. He would have. But whatever. Um, as if summoned, one of my friends on Facebook, what was that, I think last week, Posted a picture of his wife's new stupid fucking Deathly Hallows tattoo. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he, was, oh, he was like, "Oh, I'm so proud." She designed it herself. Like, well, I mean, she didn't, but <laughs> <laughs> it's the Deathly Hallows. But it's like, looks like it's like wood or something. Oh like, yeah, it's interesting. But again, like, I mean, come on, she didn't design that. <laughs> yeah, she she made the wood. Cool, but it's still the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> If she is happy, I suppose. Yeah, whatever. It's still a dumb tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> We're covering all sorts of things pre-episode here. Well, I, yeah, it's been a while since we've done one of these info dumps. Okay, last thing. Kobe has issues. Mm-hmm. 
I said that today's Colby Have Issues would tie into Suicide Squad and explain why the new movie is uh, Vertigo adjacent. So I picked these up at the comic shop today. These are really good issues of JLA by Grant Morrison that I've read before, but I didn't have in single issue, so I picked them up. First of them is issue 22. It's called Perchance to Dream. Nice See who that is on the cover there? Oh, yes. It's Dream. Yes, that's cool. Yeah. Dream meets the JLA. And let me open this up here. Not only does he meet them, he, like, takes Superman into the dreaming. Hangs out with Zariel there. But the whole reason they're meeting up is because there's this crazy sleeping sickness that's taken over uh, the world. And in the end... Aquaman flies up to see what's causing it, and it's Starro! Starro's in Suicide Squad. Starro's in JLA. Sandman's in JLA. (laughs) It's all connected. (laughs) It overlaps. And then issue two here, issue 23 here, shows the giant Starro on the planet. It's cool stuff. Fucking love this era of JLA, and I'm glad to have found these two issues in a single... For really fucking cheap. Only three bucks. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. And then I've also, uh, I mentioned to you that I uh, was getting the novelization of Suicide Squad to see how it stacked up to the original cut of the movie. About the same. <laughs> it's it's really, like, this is a really, really weird novelization because it's based on the script, obviously. So there's, like, the quippiness is gone. Mm-hmm. But the basic plot is exactly the same. Except there's one thing in this that makes less sense. Because they go to Midway City in the movie when Incubus attacks. In this, before Enchantress takes her over, she's already in Midway City. And it's talking about how there's explosions in the distance. And like half of the city is rubble. But that doesn't come till later. So it's like, they're already in a war zone, but it doesn't explain why they're in a war zone. Why is she there? Yeah, it's fucking dumb. I think it, like it, it had to be just a fuck up. Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And the book goes way deep into her backstory, like her origin. The first, I think, four or five chapters are just her in this South American country looking for the little enchantress. Well, she finds the enchantress thing um, because she's like plagued with visions about the enchantress. I don't know. It's weird. Um, Her and Deadshot are the only people that get backstories. Really? Uh, all of that. Yeah. This book is 400 fucking pages long. Mm. I'm halfway into it, so I'm 200 pages in. They still haven't really started. <laughs> they just got to Midway City, and Slipknot just got his head blown off. But Slipknot, Katana, Boomerang, you know, those three are all introduced at once. So Boomerang gets no backstory. It's just, here's Boomerang. He's fucking good with Boomerangs. They call him Boomerang. <laughs> um, p- thankfully, that Slipknot line is cut out. <laughs> Here's Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. Wonderful. And uh, Katana's line about her sword makes way more sense in the book. Because, like, they're in the helicopter going to Midway City. And when it gets shot and starts to waver, Slipknot tries to run. And she holds the sword up to his neck. And then Rick Flagg says, I'd advise not getting killed by her. You know, like, then he says that. It's like, oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense in context. Um, So it's just, it's way less quippy, but it's the same fucking shit. Oh, one big thing that I liked better. At the beginning, when Waller's having her little fucking steak dinner with her buddies in the government, you know how in the movie that takes like 20 minutes and she's going through all of the files. In this, she's literally only discussing Enchantress and uh, El Diablo. Oh, there you 
Because she's like, yeah, these are, I found these powered dudes. Like, they have powers. We can finally do what I wanted to do, make a little super team. And the other characters are just basically thrown in as cannon fodder. So, like, when they, when they find, they need to, like, round out the team. She's like, fuck it, get Deadshot. He's good at shooting stuff. I don't know, get Boomerang. I, why? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna die anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, it's better, but it's also the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I have less faith in Ayer's original cut now <laughs> because this is this again it says based or based on the script written by David Ayer so it's his original script right I feel like in a lot of novelizations of movies um I could be wrong about this but usually it's it is the original script of the movie the author just comes along and fleshes it out more and of course turns it into a novel um, and I just feel like maybe with a David Ayer's script, there wasn't very much to flesh out. Because of time, <laughs> novelizations can't be based on the finished film, so they always base them on the original script, and oftentimes that changes. Um, I know that, like, X-Men 2, when that script came out, or sorry, when that novelization came out, the script didn't include the Phoenix reveal at the end and Jean's death. So in the novelization, she lives. Uh-huh. <laughs> Same thing with uh, Superman Returns. I recently read that novelization. The reveal of Jason having superpowers and being Superman's son is not in there at all. All right, then. Uh, when, in the movie, when he like throws the piano at the guy, that's done in the novelization as the boat just tips and the piano slams into him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I a little variation there. Yeah. So anyway, because of that, I to follow up, I guess, from last week's, I don't uh, think that Ayer's Suicide Squad would have been any good no matter what. So the novelization is not a vertigo for you? No, it's, I don't know, it's fine. Like, it's, it's a slow read because it's 400 fucking pages <laughs> of the Suicide Squad, for God's sake. And I'm also, like, I'm cutting back between that and in the actual 80s run of the Suicide Squad right now. And those are so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> so much better. I just finished the Deadshot miniseries that John Ostrander and Kim Yale wrote that ties in with the Suicide Squad. Probably issue like 20 or so of the Suicide Squad. And that's a really fucking good little miniseries. Super fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, oh, is that one of the uh, uh, panels that you sent me? Uh, no, that was actually from Suicide Squad. Okay. Deadshot executing that woman. No, this is even worse. <laughs> oh, um, really? <laughs> so it's all about Deadshot uh, taking some time away from the squad because uh, he's, like, tracking down some old associates. And then his ex-wife comes up to him and is like, hey, our son got kidnapped. I need, I need you to find him. And he's like, I don't really care. <laughs> and she's like, no, I need you to do this. He's like, fine. So he goes and tracks down the people that hold his, have his son captive. And uh, everyone that he talks to, they're like, if you fuck with me, your kid's dead. He's like, don't care. And then he just kills them. <laughs> and like every person along the way, he's like, bam, bam, bam. So he finally finds the people that are holding his kid. They flee. Or he kills most of them. But one of them flees with his son. And that issue ends with his son getting molested and then murdered. God. <laughs> and so then the next issue, Deadshot finds the guy and just like shoots his body, like slowly shoots him like, oh, the leg, the arm, the other arm, the shoulder. And then just keeps like slowly letting him get wounded until he finally puts him out of his misery. But even then, Deadshot doesn't seem to really care that his kid is dead. <laughs> and then uh, and then he finally finds out who put all these guys up to it. Uh, it was his mother, Deadshot's mother. 
she uh, had the son, she had her grandson kidnapped so that she could get back at Floyd for, like, fucking up, uh, killing his abusive father when he was younger. Wow. And uh, to get her back, he uh, paralyzes her. <laughs> and you thought your family reunions yeah. were bad. It's so fucking, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is from, like, the 80s. Like, it wasn't super common for... DC's regular books to be that dark in the 80s. Indeed. But the last issue has an ad for Sandman in it. The first <laughs> issue of Sandman. So, like, hey, look at that. <laughs> there you go. Nice little add-on. During that little switchover. <laughs> so, okay, the main point of today's episode, we're talking about the Suicide Squad, the definite article. None of this bullshit 2016 <laughs> hot topic juggalo hooker <laughs> suicide Squad. This is the real shit. It's the real shit you'll ever fucking see. What he said. Yeah. So we usually like end with that, but I, I want to lead with Vertigo, Verta Slow, Verta Stop. Oh. What was yours? Definitely, uh, I like you said, we're talking about the good one here, so Vertigo. Yeah. yeah, definitely Vertigo. I saw this in theaters Thursday night. I've watched it twice since then on HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was really fucking into this. Um, seeing it in the theater was interesting. Because, you know, we theaters have only been open here a couple months. I've seen a few movies. But this was the first one that I've been to that was pretty full. Mm-hmm. I take that back. It's a second. First one I saw that was pretty full was The Green Knight. Which was really, really weird to see all these people in the movie that I knew they were going to fucking hate. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not an accessible movie, you know? No. That's a, Art house film and whatever. Um, like half the audience was into it and the half of them weren't. So Suicide Squad, I'm sitting there thinking like, I wonder what the audience is going to think. Because I know this is going to be bloody and violent and blah, blah, blah. That opening scene of Savant sitting in his cell playing with a ball when he kills the bird. Like half the audience was like, oh! <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. Like it's only going to get worse from here, guys. So then I was like, ah, oh, fuck. So then about, what, five, seven minutes into it when the team is falling into the water... And Weasel hits the water and drowns. And you just watch him flail. He's like... (laughs) I was like... uh, The audience was fucking dying. Like, they were all laughing their asses off. And I'm like, okay, all right. Okay, we got him back. (laughs) There we go. And by the end of the movie, they were applauding. So, uh, the... uh, Hello? Hey. Hey, Lil, what's up? What? All right, had to take a little break there because I got a phone call from a big fan. It's no big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Just got fan mail all the time. Uh, anyway, so what was I talking about? The opening when Weasel died. Yes. Uh, yeah, so by the end of the movie, they were applauding, and it was, it was cool to see them, the audience get that into it. They had been won over. Yeah. I kind of want to just go through the characters. I think this is the most... DC characters I've ever seen in a movie at once. <laughs> That's a good summation. Yeah. Because then, then the movie starts, I mean, it's kind of a sequel to the last movie, but not really. Because, I mean, it doesn't connect really at all no. other than a few of the actors are the same. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's implied that Harley, know, Harley and Boomerang have been on the squad before, and they know each other. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a sequel. None of the plot points line up, but whatever. Well, I mean... They could. <laughs> I mean, just, like, Belle Reeve is completely different. 
the look of everything is completely different and way fucking better. Um, it's just, just the look of the world looks better. You know? Right, right. It isn't nearly as dank and dark and, and self-serious. Yeah, just goddamn ugly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and no, nobody has needless writing all over the place. Thank God. <laughs> they actually look like characters with individuality and personalities. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. They actually did something called character development. It was nice to see. Yeah. The so the there's two teams of squads in this. Oh, that's another thing that I should just mention right off the bat is obviously this is going to be spoilery, but this is kind of a movie that's spoiler proof. Like I was telling Bear about this because he didn't get to see it until just yesterday, and I was like, I could probably sit down next to you and just flatly recite everything that happens in the movie. Like, uh, TDK gets shot, uh, Javelin gets shot, uh, Harley Quinn gets captured. And still, when you saw it, that wouldn't take anything away from it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's so fucking visual and interesting and weird and you know, a weasel drowns. That doesn't sound like anything. <laughs> when you watch the movie, just watching him flail in the water <laughs> is fucking amazing. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> there's two... Suicide squads in this uh, Task Force X, the first of which are just expendable. <laughs> they're just—they're literally <laughs> just there for diversion. Exactly. And it's interesting to me. There's because uh, that was led by Rick Flag, played by Joel Kinnaman, because he returned from the last movie. I wish there was a payoff for that, for his just utter betrayal. Hmm. So he just gets thrown in to die by Waller, and. You don't get to see the payoff, obviously, but I, I just I wish that he had gotten to cue her out for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, have a little bit of confrontation over okay. that. But anyway, the original uh, squad is is uh, Flag, um, oh Savant, played by Michael Rooker, who is a character in the comic who is mostly associated with Birds of Prey. Two thousand two, two thousand. I don't remember. Somewhere in the early 2000s. yeah, the two thousands. Yeah. I think he was created by. Uh, Gail Simone. I think you're right. And anyway, I, I don't know much about him in the comic, but the look was right on, and it was just fun to see Michael Rooker in there. He's basically what would have happened if Batman had gone the other way. He's like a socialite, and he's super rich. Savant? Uh, yeah. Hmm. And um, he's great at uh, tech. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's like a vigilante for a while, but then like Batman is like, um, you're only doing this... Uh, to get your rocks off. And so he's like, oh, okay. And he basically becomes a villain. <laughs> Isn't he gay in the comics? I think so. I think so. I feel like I remember reading that. Um, Don't quote me on it, Interesting though. character uh, trait, you know. So that's uh, a gay character in Suicide Squad. There you go. Savant. <laughs> Representation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For all of his five minutes of screen time. <laughs> yep. And zero personal backstory. Exactly. <laughs> he kills a bird. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then Pete Davidson is a Blackguard, who looks completely different in the comic. Have you seen what Blackguard looks like? I haven't. I don't know much about him. Uh, so he's a Booster Gold villain. And I think he was on the squad, but only briefly. Uh, da, 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 he, uh, yeah, there he is. <laughs> oh, nice plume. <laughs> yeah. Pete Davidson said that when he saw that picture, he was hoping he would get the big purple uh, ponytail, but he did not. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Blackguard, one of my favorite things about this character is his real name is Richard Hertz. Richard Hertz. He's Dick Hertz. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that one coming yeah. like a mile away. 
And uh, yeah, he's just uh, just an idiot and gets shot in the face because he tries to betray the SWAT. <laughs> as soon as he stepped up over the little beach front at the beginning, I'm like, oh, he's going to die. Well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. You called it. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, Nathan Fillion is TDK, which I had guessed was going to stand for the detachable kid, and that turned out to be true. Um, who's basically just arm fall off boy, but <laughs> give him a different name in this. And I fucking love that scene of him detaching his arms and then sending him forward. <laughs> the seriousness on his face was like, uh, he's like, uh, 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 smacking the guards, ineffectually slapping them. And <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> that was pretty good. I laughed pretty heartily at yeah. that. And then, uh, uh Flula Borg. This javelin. It was a fun little thing with him. Uh, like his question about like what does DDK stand for, and he's like, "It's my name. It stands for me." It's <laughs> like, "Yes, but uh, a name isn't letters." And then uh, Boomerang goes, uh, "All names are letters, dickhead." <laughs> <laughs> I know I've seen the actor in other stuff, but his name is just fun to say. Flula. Yeah. Yeah. He's a comedian mostly. He's been on Conan O'Brien quite a bit. Oh. He's also a DJ. I should look him up. Um, he also, oh, I wish I had those pictures still. Have you seen the pictures of his uh, like promotional work for Suicide Squad? I have not. Because did I, I think I told you about, what's his name? Fucking Peacemaker. Uh, yes. John Cena doing all of his promotional stuff in character. Oh, yeah. Like, he, like there is the <laughs> premiere dressed as Peacemaker. He was on uh, oh, one of those fucking chat shows. Now there is Sylvester Stallone as Peacemaker. He was on Jimmy Kimmel as Peacemaker, too. But anyway, so he's just always wearing that Peacemaker costume. There we go. Um, so Flula posted one about his take on uh, on doing the the press tour. So there, there's one of the Zoom interviews. There's Flula right there. And then he posted his, his like, behind-the-scenes picture of it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It's just him... Uh, with a nice little black background, got his computer in his hand, smiling happily at the camera, and he's wearing uh, just a really tasteful striped sweater, and then just <laughs> nothing below the waist. Orange he's, socks. He's naked as the day is long. <laughs> he's committed to his craft. <laughs> he also recorded a happy birthday message to uh, James Gunn, in character as Javelin. Um, bequeathing his javelin javelin to James Gunn. And then as he ends the video, he walks away, and same thing, he's naked from the waist down. <laughs> Touching, really. <laughs> so yeah, the original, uh, the original crew, I mean, obviously, I think, I think most of us saw this coming, this, the slaughter of the first squad. Oh yeah, and Jai Courtney as, as Captain Boomerang, he comes back to get hacked to pieces by a helicopter. And, oh, and forgot one more. Um, Mei Ling Ning as Mongal. Yes, that's, that's right. That's right. I forgot about her too. Yeah. So uh, anyway, they just get completely decimated within ten minutes of the movie starting, and I I obviously saw that coming as I think we initially talked about, but I I really wonder what somebody who doesn't really know anything about marketing or the cast or anything about this movie would think going into that. Well, I just like walk into it and then boom, everyone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, yeah, I think it might be surprising. 
not where you expected no. that to go. Especially the way they introduced Savant as your typical, your typical like point of view character, mm, like yeah. a new guy in the team. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just doing this to get out of here, you know. And Boomerang's giving him shit on the helicopter, and then, uh, and, well, he's gonna be the one that walks away from this. Boom, head's gone. <laughs> Almost immediately, yeah. And I really, I like the way they do that too, because obviously you gotta have the guy that gets his head blown off to show that it's threat is real. So that was <laughs> it was cool to see that. Um, just done so much better than the last movie and well and michael brooker has a history of playing like violent guys badass guys who you know know how to handle themselves yeah. and it's so funny to see him just like turn tail and yeah run. you had to fucking panic <laughs> <laughs> did you recognize the doctor that implanted him I feel like you told me that he was going to be in this movie, but maybe I'm wrong, so tell me again. That was John Ostrander, okay. the creator of the Suicide Squad. He even gets a line. He was good dog. <laughs> <laughs> well delivered. That was fucking great. Um, and that's one of the things, like, that is kind of indicative of this movie. It really has the style of the old Ostrander comics. Mm. It doesn't have the same, the same lineup or necessarily the same team or characters or whatever, and the story is mostly new, but uh, that that just weird mix of dark humor and violence and action is all from the comics. And uh, it was nice to see him kind of get that nod. And then there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of little nods to the comics in this movie. Um, aside from the main squad, there's the support staff that are all like watching things from the computer room, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's Amanda Waller, obviously, Viola Davis, we all know her. But then uh, the big chubby guy is named uh, John Economos. And in the comics, he's the warden of Belle Reve. Oh. Um, so he's just always getting steamrolled by Waller while she comes in and takes over. Give me the squad. Uh, and then her two support, like, secretaries or whatever they are, Fro- Flo Crawley. Is that her name? Flo Cowley. I think it's Flo Cowley. She's the one that smacks Waller in the head with the... No, it is Crawley. Damn, I'm looking at it right now. Um, she's the one who smacks Waller in the head with the putter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she screams at like, David, get back to work, you stupid motherfucker! <laughs> okay! <laughs> so she was, she was like Waller's sidekick, henchwoman, whatever. And then the same with uh, the other woman, uh, Amelia Harcourt. Mm-hmm. So John, Amelia, and Flo are all from the comics. The helicopter pilot... Is not it's not said in the movie, but he's credited as Briscoe. I think I mentioned this last time. Uh, Briscoe's their helicopter pilot in the comic, and his helicopter is named Sheba. Oh, yeah. so that was mm-hmm. the obviously the name of the osprey that he's flying. So little things like that that I loved. And then within Bell Reeve, you see some other supervillains that may be on the squad, but they just aren't doing missions right now. Uh, the first one is uh, oh, her name's Kaleidoscope. This woman that has like just multicolored. Like yes, all yeah. Of her body. Mm-hmm. She's like talks shit to Peacemaker or whoever walk when they walk by her. I think it was Bloodsport. Bloodsport, okay. yeah. And then later when they introduce Polka Dot Man, you also see Calendar Man played by Sean Gunn. I I missed that entirely. Oh really? Yeah, I heard. I read about it later that the Calendar Man's in it. Tattoos. He has the calendar like I don't know months tattooed around his head. It's I right when it. they introduce uh, Polka Dot Man. He's like, hey, Polka Dog Man, why don't, why don't you come uh, and like, entertain my kid's birthday party, you fucking pussy? That, okay. <laughs> and then it cuts to the guard standing next to him going, 
Okay. I do remember that now. All right. And then right next to Calendar Man is this guy that has playing cards tattooed on his face. And his name's Double Down. Double Down. Yeah. Okay. So again, all you know, DC supervillains just thrown into the background because, I mean, yeah, why not? You know, you gotta, you gotta populate this world, so why not throw in characters from the comic? Absolutely. Yeah. And then, yeah, so as that squad dies, then there's, like, there's a lot of time shifting in this movie. Did you notice that? There is. Like, three days ago, and then eight minutes earlier. Right. <laughs> and it's weird because it doesn't really feel gimmicky. Like, it, it works for the way the story unfolds. I don't know why, but it does. Because <laughs> it's not something that I, that I usually like, but I felt like it worked really well here. I think so. I mean, you're just interested from the moment the movie goes and I, I didn't mind any of that stuff like the titles I was I was cool with it yeah I love how the Warner Brothers pictures flows out of uh, Savant's gaping head wound you know, that not, was good yes that's <laughs> that another thing the the title like the act breaks all had that those like environmental credits I right guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Bear and I were talking about this just earlier today. He mentioned that it, it seems very um, Will Eisner-esque. Remind me who Will Eisner Will Eisner, is. the Eisner Awards for comic oh, books gosh, are named yeah. after him. Yep, yep, yep. He uh, is really well-known. I mean, he's well-known for creating The Spirit, A Contract of God. He's the uh, legend in the comic book world. But he's really well-known for incorporating titles and words, you know, like the titles and credits and whatnot into the art itself within comics. Like, there's a really famous, um, I don't even know how to search for this, Will Eisner Words. How about that? <laughs> there's a really, oh, there we go. A really famous uh, spirit, spirit yeah. with uh, concrete, or not concrete, what are those called? Bricks. <laughs> like a brick wall <laughs> that forms the words of the spirit. And then like the Contract with God trilogy right there. Oh, yeah. Wrong one. The his name is like on a poster, and that's written in the in the uh, alley. Have you ever read a contract with God? I have not. I've heard of it. It's been uh, on my to read list it forever. Is fucking depressing. <laughs> <laughs> really good story, but fuck, it's depressing. It's just shitty lives of shitty people that live in the tenements in New York, and how depressing their their lives are every single fucking moment of every single fucking day. <laughs> Prepare your soul yeah. for scouring. <laughs> great read, though. <laughs> I mean, Eisner is a fucking master, and and this is like this is back when comics weren't for grown ups, <laughs> and, and yeah. this is a was a very grown up story. I mean, there's one whole thing about this guy's dog dying because this woman fucked him over. I it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really intense. He I thought maybe there. thought maybe that would be the guy crying over his dog's dead body but it's not it's just someone else crying for a different reason because of how terrible their life is <laughs> because that's the book yeah. um anyway so I, I felt like the the text use of text in suicide squad was very eisner ish and i'd be curious to know what gun's um inspiration for that was if it was will eisner if there's some other comic book precedent for that or if it's a movie thing or maybe it was just his fucking idea. Who knows? <laughs> well, I think because, uh, like you said, it, it that those kind of um, usage it might usually bother you, but this time it did. I think one of the reasons it uh, didn't bother me is because, um, 
like you mentioned, it was all part of the environment. So there was moments I didn't even know words were forming until the words formed. And then I was like, okay, here we go. Well, I wasn't saying the text bothered me. Usually, I was saying that time jumps usually. Oh, time jumps, excuse me. But regardless, they were both done very fucking well here. But so then after after that, then like, you know, you meet the, the real squad that we're going to follow, um, which is, Har- well, Harley was in the first one. She just survived. <laughs> and then there's Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher 2, excuse Rat me. Two. Uh, well, that's, that's never just Ratcatcher. It's always Ratcatcher 2. <laughs> <laughs> For someone who's sitting in the audience going, actually... Right away, they all have unique, interesting personalities. They mesh well and fight with each other really well. Um, who was the biggest standout to you? Who was your favorite? Oh, that's hard. That's hard. Um, Ratcatcher 2, um, and I know this is <laughs> this is probably unfair, but I'm going to say it anyway, because uh, um, seeing Taika Waititi as Ratcatcher 1 oh, yeah. was great. I would listen to that guy... Uh, talk about pizza toppings. Um, but no, I thought, uh, I'm going to virtue her last name, Daniela uh, Melchior? Melchior? Daniela Melchior. Is that? Uh, I don't know. Sure. Sure, why not? I thought that she just did a good job of uh, making a character that was not sympathetic in the comic books um, actually have an iteration that brought some warmth. And uh, you could tell that maybe she had ended up there not because she was so much a villain, but because um, sentencing in our justice system is sometimes fucked up. I just thought it was because Waller thought she'd be useful. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. She, she control rats. doesn't matter if she's just robbing a bank. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was probably it, but still, it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, John Cena's Peacemaker is hilarious. Okay, that's another thing. So, like, the camera movements in this movie are very 70s. Like, this has a very 70s action vibe. There's a lot of, like, whip pans and zooms, like, quick zooms that you see a lot in, like, 70s action cinema. And there's a lot of that in here. And probably my favorite fucking one is when they're in the jungle right after King Shark tries to eat Ratcatcher. And (laughs) they're talking about what to do with him. And, uh... (laughs) Uh, Bloodsport looks over and, and sees that uh, Peacemaker is just wearing underwear. Like, he's just sleeping in the jungle, only wearing tidy whities Yes. And the camera, like, whips over onto onto his crotch before it, like, it, like, then zooms up to his face. It's like, like it forgot what it's supposed to be focusing on and was, like, got caught up in the moment. It's like, ah, 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 no. I fucking love that. It, like, it felt like the camera had a personality, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way, but yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of weird movements like that in this movie. In fact, HBO has a cool, really short documentary about the cameras in the movie. They're these brand new, well, not brand new, but they're the new red technology. They're, like, this big. And they're on these round rigs. By the way, I say this big. It's, like, six inches. Um, and they're on these little round rigs and they can just move them like 360 and do all sorts of crazy shit with them that you couldn't normally do with cameras. Like at the beginning, they're in that song, um, all my friends are dead. (laughs) After you see, after you see the dead squad, that, uh, that song, uh, who sings that? Uh, Um, oh, uh, Jim Carroll band. Jim Carroll band. It's called people who died by Jim Carroll. Carol band. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that when that song was used at the beginning, uh, uh, 
as the camera is like zooming around and flipping through the the battlefield and you know with all the dismembered bodies you can see a <laughs> detachable kid there puking up blood oh, <laughs> yeah. bleeding oh. out um anyway it's just like the camera work was really well done and uh yeah very interesting but anyway going back to the characters <laughs> so peacemaker uh i was surprised at because they, they'd always said he's Going into this, they'd said, oh, he's kind of like a douchey Captain America. And, like, I was like, okay, I, I get that. I still thought he was going to be more of a blatant hero. Mm. But he totally wasn't. He was just no. a fucking psychopath with a gun. Yeah, he was a <laughs> fundamentalist. Which I'm kind of yeah. interested in how they're going to make that into a series. Because he's funny in the context of that movie, but I kind of feel like a whole series based on him would get kind of stale pretty quick. Well, it's all about who you surround him with. Um... As long as you have someone to, someone to balance his personality, then it should be fine. And I'm sure that's what they're going to do. Um, I just thought it was really interesting how dark they were willing to go with him. You know, especially, the, I mean, he fucking kills Rick Flagg at the end. Right, and right. And the, the guy that you're conditioned to be the hero. And I fucking... That's one of the things about the death in this movie is that it's so weirdly balanced. You get these gratuitous, hilarious deaths... And then these, like, shocking gut-punch deaths as well. And then some that are the kind of, like, straddle the line. Like, I think Polka Dot Man's death is a good example of, like, I didn't want him to die, but when he died, I'm like, I get it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, he's, he's come full circle. He sees himself as a hero. He's, like, he gets that catharsis, and then boom, he's dead. <laughs> right. right. That made me laugh, and it also yeah. made me a little sad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was originally supposed to be a rat catcher. Gunn said in the original script, Ratcatcher dies and Polka Dot Man lives. And he said the more he got to into the characters, he didn't he couldn't bring himself to kill Ratcatcher. <laughs> so he swapped them. I would have been I thought maybe for a moment she might die when Peacemaker was gonna yeah. shoot her, but then I was like, no, she's too she's too young and and probably the nicest member of this ragtag group of yeah. assholes. That's another thing that I really liked about Peacemaker is that scene when he kills Flag, and then when he's about to kill Ratcatcher, he still has that, like, that morale. Like, he doesn't like that he has to do that, but he feels compelled to. Right. And, like, when, when he sees Flag and hears his last words, like, Peacemaker, what a joke. You can just see the pain in his face when he does that. And, yeah, I thought that was just shockingly well done and really well acted by John Cena. It was. It was. <clears throat> I thought maybe for a moment when he was going to kill Ratcatcher that that would be like a character change for him, you know, where he would uh, he would rebel against Waller, but his programming won out. Yeah. The... Who are some of your favorites? Well, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> so many good ones. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I, I really liked this take on Flag because he's a lot more human. Mm. Right. Um, and it just feels more like the comic book version of him. And obviously he's got a yellow shirt, so that works for me. He's always <laughs> wearing the yellow shirt in the comic. Um, Ratcatcher was obviously like the heart of the movie. And I feel like she, uh, she does a great job of just grounding the personalities of the characters. Um, that final flashback of her and her father sitting on the tower is like, you know, tear-jerking. <laughs> and that was just that was insanely well done um uh, man I don't know I can't decide well, how did you feel about um 
Harley Quinn in this version as opposed to the 2016 one. I thought she was fine. I mean, I, I don't, I just, I think we said this last time, I just don't really like Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, she's basically the, I don't know, like the seasoned hero, I guess. <laughs> um, I really liked the whole like whirlwind romance she had with the dictator. That was funny. <laughs> and the, the way it just ended with her shooting him and just like, sorry, I saw a red flag. So exactly. I had to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that was that was cool, but um, I I liked her whole prison break scene, but I thought it was just there was shades of one of my issues with Birds of Prey in that, and then all of her fight scenes in Birds of Prey are basically just her doing acrobatics and like a gymnastics routine mm. while people stand around looking stunned, right? Because <laughs> right. like there's no like fighting. It's like. A guy runs up to her with a gun. She does, like, eight flips as he's like, whoa! And then she breaks his neck or whatever. Or shoots him or does whatever. And there's a bit of that in this. There's a little bit more danger, though. I mean, there's at least people punching back at her in this. So it it feels less, like, ridiculous gymnastics and a little more John Wick. Yeah. And so I, I liked it better in this. I still, like, I don't know. It's just, it's not a character that I'm that invested in overall. So it's hard for me to really care. But I, I really liked. I, I wish we could. We got to see more of her original look in this, that like leather biker outfit, the right. black and red, because that looks fucking awesome. And she uses it, you know, for the first act, and then gets put in a red dress. And I don't know, not a, <laughs> not, not a look I like as much. But <laughs> well, if anyone has to have a costume change in the middle of a movie, it's Harley Quinn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks better than the fucking overalls she was wearing in. Birds of Prey. Such a weird... She was wearing like a snowsuit in that. She was. <laughs> she was. Yeah, yeah. Her uh, her costumes on film have gone through strange evolutions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I thought she... I thought she had much more reason to be here this time. Yeah. And it, like, you know, it made sense. She's, she's on the team. She's doing a mission. Right. She uh, is a good, good enough fighter to be on the team. She can be controlled easy enough. Exactly. <laughs> That's one of the big things, too, that... Um, I think people forget about the Suicide Squad. Is everyone just wants to throw every cool villain onto it that they can. And, like, you know, some villains don't work for... The, like, you can't put fucking Joker on the Suicide Squad because he's too fucking nuts. Right. He doesn't care if his head gets blown off, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you, you gotta have characters that can be manipulated enough to do the job. And I feel like this version of her felt more like that than in the first movie. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just... I don't know. I think really great characters. We, uh, we haven't even talked about... Uh, Bloodsport, like, essentially the lead. <laughs> essentially, yeah. Um, I like, because, I mean, it's just Deadshot. He's, Pretty much. They, they actually wrote the script for Deadshot, and then when they decided on a different character not to recast, they didn't rewrite the script. <laughs> so it's just, like, he's got different, like, abilities with his guns, but... Uh, it's basically just Deadshot. But I really, I liked that they left, or that they have a joke basically about that. Mm-hmm. That they're all the same. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Amanda Waller, yeah, well, she tells uh, Bloodsport, um, Ruthless Killer, raised by a mercenary, da-da-da-da-da, and then she does the same thing with yeah. Peacemaker, and he's like, wait a minute! <laughs> she said we all, we all pick for our individual abilities. Like, he's the same as me! <laughs> yeah. She's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, of course, I like Idris. I can't think of anything I've seen Idris Elba in that I'm like, nah, dude, you're not delivering. Yeah, yeah, he's great in it. And I I really liked that, you know, they, they have the whole 
hardened killer with the daughter on the outside. But I like that they don't really have a good relationship. Yes. And that she's kind of a bitch. And yes. It's just them screaming fuck you at each other for a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck you. Yeah, it's, it's, that's how that dynamic should be. I yeah. mean, not to uh, uh, beat a dead horse, but to beat a dead horse. I mean, it just doesn't work like in 2016 when you have this guy who's supposed to be this amoral um, killer mercenary. It's like, oh, I'm just going Christmas shopping with my little yeah, girl. Exactly. <laughs> I just love my kids so much. I'm a good dad. I kill people for money, but I'm a good dad. And I want to kill Batman so bad. Yeah, exactly. I'm a good dad. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> and then uh, King Shark who uh, was played Double Duty. His body was played by Steve Ag, who also played John Economos. Oh. Um, yeah, he was the on-set King Shark. Oh, cool. And then he was voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Which I didn't, I had to look that up. Yeah. I was like, oh, hey. That, and that was announced a while ago, but that's just, that's a really weird choice, but it works really fucking well. It does. <laughs> it does. And King Shark, again, you know, just a big, big giant shark that eats people. But it's given such, like, childlike wonder. (laughs) All he wants are friends. And the scene where he walks into the aquarium and sees those little octopus, whatever those are called. I can't remember what those animals are called, but whatever. He sees those, and they, like, form his shape. And he's like, oh, oh, friends! (laughs) And then starts running around with them. That's, like, that's so touching. (laughs) In in a weird way. (laughs) It's so sweet. And then don't they try to eat him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was really well done. But doesn't doesn't uh, um, isn't he more verbal in the comic books? Uh, it depends. Sometimes he is. Sometimes he's not. It's fucking dumb. <laughs> he's, he's he's a really dumb character in the comic because he's just the they throw him in when they want. You know, like the big juggernautish kind of guy. And his personality tends to change with the writer because mm-hmm. he was originally created in the Superboy comics in the early '90s, and I think he was just like totally like a normal character in that. Like you could talk and think and reason and all that. And then they've like dumbed him down as time goes on <clears throat> because uh, that's more funny, I guess. Sure. Uh, but I, I just really like the way he was done in the movie. And then, uh, and then after that, I guess we didn't, did we mention Polka Dot Man? A little bit, a little bit. We talked yeah. about his death. Yeah. Cause he has a completely different backstory in this than he did in the comics. In the comics, those, like, polka dots are, like, technology, whatever, that's, like, he pulls them off his suit and throws them, and then it turns into a motorcycle or... <laughs> a buzzsaw. A, yeah, a buzzsaw, whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in this, it's literally, like, I just, I love how when he's introduced in uh, uh, Peacemaker, it's like, so what does he throw polka dots? And then when he finally sees him use his power, he's like, oh, my God, he does throw polka dots. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, too. It made him more interesting. It made him funnier. I, I loved his, his, like, his whole backstory, his whole deal. Like, just really well, really weird and interesting. <laughs> uh, what was the line? Now I see my mother wherever I look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the squad turns cool. into her. Yeah. Oh, I love when they, when they go through the, the rebel camp. Oh, yeah. Which is another fucking thing that I love about this movie. So they find out that Rick Flagg has been captured... Peacemaker and uh, Bloodsport go through the camp, silently killing the captors. And then they get up there and realize that, no, these aren't bad guys. Like, they just helped him. And so they just murdered this entire, like, army of heroes. (laughs) And the movie's just like, well, 
<laughs> what are you gonna do? Oops. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's no repercussions for that. Nobody gets punished. It's just like, like, yeah, all these guys are fucking idiots. I'm sorry. Let's uh, let's go though. We gotta got shit we gotta do. <laughs> we can help you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love that like whole like dick measuring contest between Peacemaker and Bloodsport during that. Like when they're all trying to one up each other. And then or, uh, Peacemaker wins by shooting the guy over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's like, oh, that was just a wound. And then he explodes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, nobody likes to show off. They do when what you're showing off is dope as fuck. <laughs> and then he turns around, like Bloodsport turns around and goes, fuck, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like their chemistry together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I... I'm sorry that kind of sorry that Peacemaker had to die because I would have liked to see them go head to head more. Did you not watch the end credits? I, I didn't. The very very end. I did not. There's a post credit scene. I, I should have figured. I should have figured. <laughs> Peacemaker yeah. survives. Oh, well, okay. It's to set up his show. Oh. It's uh, John Economos and Amelia get tasked with uh, getting him back into fighting shape. Okay. And then it ends with Amelia saying, like, because he's got to save the fucking world. <laughs> well, that actually answers my question from before of how they're going to make that, who they're going to surround him with and how they're going to make that actually seem fresh and vital. Yeah. So. Um, and James Gunn actually said originally he wasn't, he said he was going to wait until Suicide Squad came out to reveal whether the Peacemaker series is a prequel or a sequel. And now that it's out and you know that he survived, it's obviously a sequel. Oh, there you go. Okay. And when is that supposed to come out? Uh, January. And then I... So, I mean, this isn't all uh, rainbows and farts. Like, I, I, I didn't... <laughs> I do, do have some gripes with this movie. I mean, it's not... But this is a testament to how good the fucking movie was. Because, like, these are super fucking minor. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, number one, No Bronze Tiger. We've had two Suicide Squad movies now, and Bronze Tiger hasn't been in any of them. You did mention him. Yeah. He's like the heart and soul of the fucking team in the comic. Like he he needs to be in there. He's he's a core. It's like doing a Superman movie without Lois Lane. Like, yeah. you know, it just it would feel weird to have this really major part of the mythos and the the universe and the characters not not being there. <clears throat> and so I just I felt like he should have been in there. Um second one was The Thinker, you know? Uh, oh yeah. Peter Capaldi. Uh, Peter Capaldi. Great job. Like really Weird, skeezy character. You know, it's implied that he's been raping Starro. <laughs> it's, uh, he talks about taking a mouse up the ass. Like, he's just a really weird, gross dude. Really cool design. Looked cool. My only problem is that, like, what does he do? What's his deal? He does get knocked off pretty fast, doesn't well, he? Well, I mean, kind of. But, yeah. but why does he have all that shit in his head? Yeah, they never do address that, do they? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel like it should have come up in Waller's briefing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's got these fucking augments to make himself super smart. He's like a 10th level intelligence or whatever. Something like that. The only time it's addressed is, like, the general says something like, the things in your face make your make your brain better or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, yes, it makes my brain better. <laughs> but that's it. And I just, I feel like there should have been, like, maybe he's telekinetic or he can Im- influence your brain or something. But there just is nothing. So instead, he's just a he's just a white lab coat. You know, it could have been anyone. Maybe that's why they renamed him. What thinker? Uh, no, no, but his his actual. Oh, his real, yeah. yeah, maybe. But he looks exactly like a version of the thinker. He does. He does. He does. So, and yeah. that version of the thinker in the comics is not named. 
So it could be the same character, you know, like that could be Gaius Greaves. It's just it's weird that uh, that he doesn't have any powers or whatever. And I, I mean, you don't need to necessarily see them displayed. I just wish there was a line that said, oh, his fucking brain's so big he can't control it because he's got fucking augments or whatever, you know. <laughs> but again, that's a pretty minor quibble because he's it's not like he's the star or anything. Um, and my other complaint, which the more I think about it, the more I am less bitchy about it, is that Captain Boomerang gets killed off so quick. I was a little bit disappointed by that. But because, yeah. And again, like, like I said last time, he is a mainstay of the comics. He's the one who's such a piece of shit that he just keeps surviving. Because he's always throwing other people under the bus. And he's just always the one like in the corner laughing while somebody gets their head blown off. And it felt weird to have him die. And, but at the same time, this isn't the comics. This is the movie. And killing him so early is a good way of saying no one's safe. It is. Yeah. So, like, narratively, I totally get it. Probably logistically, I get it. I'm sure they could only get Jai Courtney for a couple days with as big as this crew was. So, you know, can't have everything. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It was nice to see him in the beginning. Yeah. Um, anything else in terms of that? Cause yeah, I, I Those are my only complaints. Yeah. I absolutely love this movie. People are saying it's too long. Go fuck yourself. It's not. Oh, <laughs> are you kidding? It's over two hours, but it doesn't feel it, man. This thing is paced really tightly. This is like a 100-meter dash compared to the 2016 yeah. film. And the 2016 one is shorter by like 20 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> it feels like it's... For mm-hmm. damn hours. Because it's paced so fucking gorgeously. I'm trying to think of any... Yeah, anything... Any complaints I have are, are pretty much nitpicks. I, I guess... I guess you could make an argument, because I was uh, uh, talking with a friend of mine about this last night after I watched it, and we were going back and forth on our thoughts. And... Um, I can see where he's coming from. He said, like, the glibness was almost too much for him. Um, Glibness? Yeah, the way in which the movie um, just so mercilessly and violently killed off these characters. And then he said he felt like it turned on a dime and tried to make you care about them when he felt like the movie didn't care about him. I don't agree, but I was like, Well, "Eh." first of all, look at the title of the movie. Right, right. (laughs) The tagline is literally... Don't get too attached. <laughs> and that's what uh, I told him. <laughs> and and it's I mean it that's that's drama. That's just narrative. There's different characters that have different weight associated to them. Right. And I feel like the movie does a really good job of differentiating those. To me, it almost reminds me of Django Unchained. Remember that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So not not in this regard, but just that movie's really violent. But the movie has two distinct styles of violence. And it's uh, is really careful about not crossing that line. Anytime somebody innocent is hurt in that movie, the violence is not glorified and it's shown as being fucking horrific. Then when it's like heroic violence of like the hero killing like the racist bad guys, it's like blood spraying and oh God, he shot me in the balls. It's fucking, <laughs> it's fun and hilarious. Mm-hmm. And the movie does a really good job again about delineating the two different kinds of violence quotes. And I feel like this is kind of the same thing with the way it kills characters and it lets characters have their moments. And um, I mean, fuck, it's like life. There's all sorts of different people in the world. Some people are more sympathetic than others and some people die funny. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, we wouldn't have the Darwin Awards. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. 
And again, like like you said, don't get too attached. The whole point being one of the things that makes this movie so much more fun than its predecessor was that, oh, you really don't know who's going to go and who's going to stay. You kind of have an idea, especially if you're a fan and, and um, you have prior investment in uh, this story on film. But for the most part, like you said, it could be anyone. Yeah. I mean, I knew Harley wasn't going to die, but (laughs) as much as James Gunn was like, she could, like, she's fucking not. DC has too much money invested. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Although I will say I never thought she was going to die, but there were moments where I felt there was actually more tangible peril. Yeah. Like, oh, she could get hurt or any of them could get hurt and get fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Especially during the whole fight with Starro at the end. I, I thought that was just shockingly well done, too. To make a character like Starro be so, not just frightening, um, but imposing, and then also sympathetic. Right. The fucking, the last line that Starro has is like, uh, I I wish I was still floating. Like, I loved looking at the stars. Right. And like, fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> like, that poor, that poor being that was just forced into this life of captivity, who, uh really didn't have, like, he was, you know, he in prison for 40 years or 60 years, however long it was, and then breaks out and gets revenge on his captors. Like, that would be the hero in any other story. Exactly. <laughs> because he's a big, gooey, humongous yeah. fish monster. <laughs> oh, that's one last thing. Starro's compound that he was kept in. Mm. Jotunheim. That's from the comics also. Oh, yeah? But it's different. Like, so in the comics, Jotunheim is an old Nazi base that's being used by this group called the Jihad as their base. And the Jihad are like a multinational anti-suicide squad. It's this team of, of people from different countries that have been fucked over by the U.S. There's like families got killed in bombing raids or whatever, mm-hmm. um, who then like lash out at America and the suicide squad always comes into conflict with them. And in the comics, Rick Flagg dies at Jotunheim also. Oh, well, there you go. All ties in very well. I guess the only last, the last thing to discuss is uh, the soundtrack and the music and the <laughs> songs. Just the, it's, it's a really obvious point of comparison because both move like, you know, one movie is a sequel to the other. But if you look at the way the music's used in both of them, it's like night and day. Oh, <laughs> so, much, so much. I'm glad we're talking about the music. Is there probably just as many needle drops? Probably. I don't think so, honestly. Uh, I don't know. But, but, uh, you first. But regardless, they're just so more... They're just integrated so much better in this. First of all, a, a lot of the music gets turned into diegetic music in this, mm. meaning that's used in the scene. Yeah. Um, like on the radio or in the car or whatever, which is always interesting to me. But then also, when, it, when it's not, or sometimes even when it is, it's still used to evoke either what the character's feeling or just the general tone of the scene. And it's used in a much more, like, heartfelt way than it was in the first movie. And then it's just like, oh, fuck it. Amanda Waller's the devil. Put sympathy for the devil. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, like, it opens with, um, I was absolutely delighted when it opened with the live version yeah. of the Folsom Prison Blues. That, it's like, fuck, that's a really good idea. Yeah, God damn it. <laughs> Wish I thought of that. <laughs> it's And it's, again, like, the difference between the first film and this one where... Where the first one felt like it was bludgeoning you with the music. Like, yeah. do you get it? Do you get it yet? Um, this one you could say was also on the nose, but it was a way that was very tongue-in-cheek, like yeah. it was including you in on the joke. Yeah. yeah. And it's just fun, you know? Like the fucking 
the people who died song across the dead <laughs> Bowser. Like as it's cutting back to the the support staff swapping money because oh TDK died. Uh, I lost twenty bucks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then like there's it shows Weasel's face on the board and uh, John turns around and flips it off. <laughs> 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 that was good. That was good. Yeah, it's just it's uh yeah, it was just fucking fun. I really liked uh, um out of all I feel like if this had again David Ayer's version like uh Death Shot would have I can't even remember Death what Shot. song did Oh Deadshot got a Kanye West song. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> um it's well yeah he got uh, um black skinhead because you know because bald. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but in this one, he, it was uh, um, uh, what, Sucker's Prayer by yes. Decembrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. I love that. I thought that was great. Yeah, very well integrated. Um, and then uh, a Grand Song had two different songs on the soundtrack. The first one was Rain, which I think was written for the movie. Oh. Um, all because James Gunn used Oh No in the announcement trailer for Suicide Squad. I think that got them connected, <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> and I uh, want to apologize to the members of Grandson for confusing their song <laughs> with the last movie. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's still in theaters. Obviously, it's only been over a week. Oh, wait, one last thing. I wanted to talk about characters that were going to be in the movie. Oh, yes. So, uh, James Gunn has a list of characters that were at one point in the movie. So he wanted uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen to come back as Black Manta from Aquaman. Oh, yeah. But cool. he ended up scrapping that just because it didn't fit the narrative. He said he considered Mr. Freeze, Killer Frost, Knockout, who is not usually a Suicide Squad character, but Secret Six. They're really close to the Suicide Squad. Gunhawk, Rainbow Creature, <laughs> Solomon Grundy, KG Beast, Chemo. I could see... It. Either of those. Chemo's this just giant blob of, like, chemicals. Oh, <laughs> this big green blob of chemicals. He's just mindless. In the comic, uh, Waller actually used him as, like, a kaiju, where she would, like, control him through a headpiece. So he's like... <laughs> and when, when the first trailer showed uh, Starro, I was like, fuck, they're going to have a Chemo-Starro, like, fist fight. Cool. Yeah, but they didn't. <laughs> uh, Plastique is a character that's often been associated with the squad. Man Bat and Deathstroke, which those two, Gunn said, got the farthest. Like, really close to having both Man Bat and Deathstroke. Uh, then Black Spider, Punch and Julie, Livewire, Batmite, Sportsmaster, and then Dog Welder. Dog, Dog Welder was almost Dog. in the movie. Oh, See, yeah, yeah, if people screamed at the bridge, <laughs> that would have that gone over like a fart in church. That's the second Dog Welder <laughs> reference on the show, too. Yeah, but any of those would have been fun to see, but I, I like, I mostly like the team that we got better. Yeah. It would have been fun to see Plastique in there, because, again, she's a, like a classic Suicide Squad, squad character. Are we gonna get a, a Suicide Squad three? Do you think? Who knows? It's it's fucking sucking up the box office. It only made like twenty five million this weekend, and mostly because theaters are closing again because idiots won't get vaccinated, so nobody's going to the movies. Yeah. And it's on HBO Plus or HBO Go, mm -hmm. 
So like you could watch it at free at home or spend ten dollars and sit next to somebody coughing their ass off and getting COVID on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I I feel like had this come out two years ago, it would have been a billion dollar movie. This would have made more money than Joker, you know. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. But now it's you know it's just it sucks. It's just a shitty time for movies. Yeah. And it's really sad. But uh, from what I've heard, WB doesn't really care. Like, they, they get it. Like, the, the head of WB, Walter Hamada, has said um, something about, like, James Gunn's going to get a blank check. Like, you know, he can, he can come back whenever he wants. We'll have him for whatever, whenever. Sweet. So that'd be nice. Uh, somebody, somebody on Twitter commented that they wanted to see him make a Secret Six movie, and he liked the comment. So that would be cool to me because that would be a great Suicide Squad spinoff. <laughs> Just yeah. see, uh, what's his name? Uh, Catman and Deadshot again. And I, I would really like to see James Gunn's take on Deadshot. I mean, I realize that Bloodsport is basically Deadshot, but fuck, I want to see the red armor, the fucking face, the guns on the, on the wrists. Like, I, just, I, I don't even care if it's Will Smith. I don't give a shit. I want to see Deadshot James Gunn. Put your touch on it, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, one last thing. <laughs> I keep saying that. <laughs> Polka Dot Man. I just read a really fucking little touching story about Polka Dot Man. Uh, the actor, David Datsmalchian. Datsmalchian? I think so. So he said that he uh, he has vitiligo. Vitiligo? Is that what it's pronounced? Yeah. The splotch, skin splotch mm-hmm. disorder. Um, he said growing up, he was relentlessly mocked for that. And the kids used to call him Polka Dot. Really? And James Gunn had no idea about this when he cast him. And so he said then, being called Polka Dot Man in this role and kind of using that in the in the story to become a hero, he said it, it felt, quote, powerful and cathartic. That he kind of used this role to get past that childhood trauma. And it's like, the you know, the power of playing this goofy comic book villain like helped him kind of put an end to that chapter of his life. I thought that was really fucking cool. And like, you know, just the power of comic books yes, <laughs> and the suicide squad <laughs> and this weird found family of damaged characters. And you know, uh, David Ayer said that his original draft, blah, 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 um, it was all about these people that society uh, cast aside trying to, make their way in the world and be heroes, I guess. And I feel like this movie did that so fucking effortlessly. 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 (laughs) Did it really well. (laughs) Agree. That's a wonderful story. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So see, that's what you get from this Suicide Squad, people. Yeah. No face, less face tattoos. (laughs) Uh, There were were actually like four face tattoos in this. But... Uh, far better used. <laughs> indeed, indeed, not so blatant. Yeah, this uh, this movie had an uphill battle coming out in COVID times yeah. um, and justifying its existence. And it's great that it's here. Yeah, like, I feel like, regardless of its box office, I feel like it's going to have a long life in the minds of moviegoers. You know. People, if they don't watch it on HBO Max, people are going to discover this on DVD and be like, what the fuck? Right. I didn't see this in the theaters? God damn it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, 
So yeah, consider this our uh, PSA. Go and get your dumbass vaccinated and wear your mask so that we can all go back to the theaters and see movies like this. And if it's safe to do so, please go see it in the theaters. (laughs) Spend the 12 bucks or whatever. It's fucking worth it. I, I got to see this in the theaters on Thursday, like I said, and it was a gorgeous experience. I mean, there's nothing beats the theater. It was so great. So anyway, if you can, please do that. Even though, as I've gone on record, I don't believe in COVID. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about that now. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> okay, uh, so again, two vertigos for this. Um, end of the show. Time. Like and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Vertigo Voices. Instagram, Vertigo Voices. Or email us at the address vertigovoices at gmail.com. Um, and that's it. Just fucking, fucking go see the best Vertigo movie to come out this year. Here, here. Probably last year, too. I don't know. What came out last year? Is this the only Vertigo movie that came out this year? Well, definitely this year. <laughs> oh, last year was Wonder Woman 84. Oh. What was better? Oh, <laughs> it's not even a question. <laughs> She put Cheetah on the Suicide Squad. She was like, oh, oh, jeez, oh, I've just, I, I dropped my back, oh. <laughs> and she will show up in her six-inch heels, and uh, yeah, that'll be her character motivation. Why doesn't anyone like me? Wait, you like me? You bastard! <laughs> <laughs> look at me, but don't look at me. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, that's the end. Goodbye, go watch Suicide Squad. <laughs>